0: Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Open your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 24. I'm sorry, let's try Matthew. Jeez. Jeez. See, I don't think there's a Mark 24 anyway. There, is there? <laughs> That's like saying, okay, open your Bibles to Hezekiah. No, that'll be looking for that one for a while. Um, Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 1. As long as we're all seeing. Now, isn't that more comfortable than having to get down and back up? And Good call, Julie. Good call. Good deal. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another uh, that shall not be thrown down. And now as he sat on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquake and ver- earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our gracious Father, we, just, we thank you. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for, for being with us at, at this time as we're here worshiping you. Father, I I pray now that we would just open our hearts and open our minds. Um, Lead us in the direction that that you would have us go. And may you be praised in all that we do and say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated now. And please, leave those Bibles open. Um, You know, as I uh, was going over um, Matthew 24... Uh, in Bible study the other night, um, I realized um, we could we could spend a little time here, and we probably without a, without a doubt we 're going to spend a little bit of time in in matthew and 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 what i 've just started to read about today in these first um, eight verses of matthew uh, twenty four is the Olivet discourse um, it, it is where Jesus starts. Or, or with his disciples, he starts talking about, in this spot, he starts talking about the end time prophecies. He talks about the things, the signs that, that are coming, the signs of things to come, and, and for them um, to take heed on, on, what, on what he is, his, is talking about here. Um, we don't know when this time will come. We have no idea when this time will come. Um, there, there are no... The signs that we have talk about a time coming which is called the tribulation period. What we do know about the tribulation period is that it's a, it's a, a period of time that will last seven years. There's seven years in the tribulation period. Those seven years, pay attention, those seven years are, are split into two sections. A, three, a, a first period of three and a half years and the, the last period which is Three and a half years. Um, Jesus referred to the first three and a half years of the tribulation period as, as he says here, the beginning of sorrows. Um, The beginning of sorrows. The second half is is what we look at a lot of times when we talk about the most horrendous things that, that are coming, the most horrendous things that are happening, as the great tribulation. Um, most of, of, of what you hear in, in as, you, as you would go through Revelation and, and you look at, at, um, uh, at all of the judgments that, that God brings upon the earth, um, we're looking at the great, the great tribulation. Um, so as we start into this, um, into uh, Matthew chapter 24, it's going to take us just, it's going to take us some time. Um, especially on, on Sundays when we, you know, don't have a, a whole lot of time to, to um, especially on the first Sunday of the month where we're where we're taking communion. Um, but we're going to work on this. I want you to understand it. I want you to understand what is coming, and we're going to be looking at the beginning of sorrow. So, but let me let me remove a couple of the verses right right in the very beginning um, when when we're talking about Jesus departing from the temple. And as Jesus is departing from the temple, um, he is visibly, I believe, that, that he is, is visibly upset as, as he walks out of the temple. He had, had been in the temple um, and... And if we were to look back and take the time to go back into chapter 23, we would see where, where Jesus was, was berating um, his, the, the scribes and the, and the Pharisees, and, and he was talking to them. And this is where Jesus is, is saying to them, woe to you, woe to you. When Jesus looks at you and he says, woe to you, you better pay attention. Because he's going to tell you what you're doing and what you're doing that's wrong. And, he, and, he, and this is where he was telling the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, he's calling them hypocrites because of the lifestyle that they were living. They're, they're, they're preaching one thing. Um, they're telling the people to follow one thing, um, but, but they're not living what, what they're preaching. How many times has someone ever said, do as I say, not as, I'm t- not as I do? not as I do." Um, and, and that's basically what he's saying. He's calling them a, a whitewashed tomb. Um, you know, beautiful on the outside. You guys look great. Inside, you're a tomb. You're dead. And and so as he's telling them all of these things, he's he's telling. Look back in if you've got your Bibles, which I hope you have your Bibles. Look back in in uh, chapter twenty three, starting in verse thirty eight. Chapter 23, starting in verse 38, where he says, See, your house is left to you desolate. This is after he's gone through the woes, woe to you. And he says, See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, until Christ returns. And we know that in the period of time that Jesus is talking about is at the end of the tribulation period when Jesus comes back, sets his foot on the earth, and and that's when they're going to say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's that period of time. Jesus has just laid him out in lavender. He's walking out of the temple. And the disciples are saying, Yeah, but Jesus, look at the beauty of this temple. Look how beautiful this temple is. Look at it. And Jesus is, 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 is angry. He's just spent three, three and a half years trying to bring the lost sheep of Israel to him. And, he's being, and, and, and they're telling him no. They're telling him no. And so as he walks out of the temple, the, the disciples are saying, Look at the beauty of the temple. Look at it. So at the end of the tribulation, Christ will return. And, and what the, he is describing, um, if you were to look at, at um, verse two in chapter, or in chapter 24, and Jesus said to them, "Do you not see these things?" Do you not see these things? As they're saying, look at the beauty of the temple. He's saying, "Aren't you... look at these things. Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left upon the other. That shall not be thrown down. Jesus is, is telling his disciples that the temple itself will be destroyed. There's not going to be one stone left on top of the other. It will be totally destroyed, which is exactly what happened in, in roughly about 40 years. When, when Rome attacked Jerusalem to put down the revolution, the temple itself was totally destroyed. Not one stone left on, on top of the other. Uh, so what Jesus was telling them in the first place is that the temple will be destroyed, but he didn't put a date to it, and the disciples were asking him, but Jesus had already answered that question. He said the temple will be destroyed, and we know that that is what, what happened in A.D. 70. So he goes to the, to the Mount of Olives. And guys, if, if uh, you ever see one of those shots of, of Jerusalem and you're looking at the old city, and, and you're looking down in, into the old city and you see the Dome of the Rock, the, the, the mosque that is there, that's where the temple was. But if, if you could picture this, this is where Jesus is, is sitting on, on the Mount of Olives as he looks down at the temple and, and the disciples come and they gather around him and they, and they ask him these questions. And they say, when, when will these, these, these things be and what are the signs of your coming and the end of the age? What are these things? And they've actually, actually asked three questions. The first one he's already answered he said the temple is going to be taken down. But if you look back in, verse four, in, in verses 4 and 5, in chapter 24, Jesus says this to them. He says, take heed that no one deceives you. I said, when will this age be? Jesus answers them back. He says, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. This is, what he, this is one of the first things that, that he says. Many will come, and they're going claim, to claim to be me. They're going to claim to be me. And, and you know, folks, over the years, there have been those who have come, and, and those who have claimed to be Jesus. I saw on Facebook not too long ago some guy who claimed that he was Jesus Christ um, and, and had a ministry going. Uh, I think he died of cancer. I, I, I believe he did. I, I had read that that he that he had. Um, well, I saw it on Facebook that he died, so you know it's got to be true. Um, <coughs> yeah, whatever. But uh, but I, I had seen this guy on TV before, and I, I don't remember what his. Well, I'd say I don't remember what his name is, but he said his name was Jesus Christ. So, but but he did have. He did have this, this ministry, and, and he claimed that, that he, was, he was Jesus Christ. And there have been, over the years, there have been people who, who uh, um, believe them. Is it, is it a mass following? No, it's, it's not. But, you know, they do have enough people that come up behind them, and they drink the purple Kool-Aid, and they, and they believe that, that this guy, um, whoever it is that's claiming, it's a small amount of people. But, but they believe that, that this person is, is Jesus Christ. Sooner or later, um, it, it comes to, comes to light that, that they're not. That they're not Christ. And, I, and, and though I, I know that what, what Jesus is saying here, that, that people are going to come in my name. They're going to claim to be me. But, but I believe that the one that, that Jesus is referring to here more than, than any of the others um, is, is one that many, that many people are, are going to follow. That people are going to fall over um, trying to follow. That there is going to be no doubt. This one's going to be different. This one will be different. And so if you look in your Bibles to, to Revelation, go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And this is the first seal. Um, The revelation of Jesus Christ to John. And he says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out, Conquering and to conquer, the white horse holding holding a bow to show that that he was a conqueror. That that is the the you've heard of the four horses of the apocalypse before. This is number one. Number one, who comes on on a white horse, and this is the one where a crown is given to him and he has a bow in his hand, folks. Um, this is the Antichrist. This is the Antichrist as he shows up on on the scene, and this this Antichrist, which will come at the at the beginning of the tribulation period. There are signs that that show that this is who this will be. Um, flip over in your Bibles. Remember, I did say something about Bibles here. Um, it's kind of kind of good. We need to be able to keep our Bibles and be able to to. Listen to Rustling Pages, or, or if you've got the app doing it that way, if you flip over into Daniel, Daniel 9.27. Daniel 9.27 has something to say about, about the Antichrist. Daniel 9.27. And then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. And in the middle of the week, he shall bring, to, bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Listen, we know, we know that when the, when the Antichrist shows up on the scene, that, that he is going to confirm an agreement, a seven-year agreement with Israel. He's not writing it. He's confirming it. And there's an agreement with Israel that, that is, is going to come to being and that it's going to be a seven-year agreement and then after three and a half years, he's going to break that agreement. But when he shows up, it's the idea that he is going to confirm this agreement this agreement with Israel for peace, for peace. Do you remember a few weeks ago when, I, when we were talking about the Gog-Magog war? And I said, you know, with all of these people who are, are, are attacking with Gog and Magog and all the countries around them, as they attack Israel, Israel isn't lifting a finger. And in fact, they, one of the statements made by Gog was, we're going after the city who has no walls. There is nothing there to hold us back. It's easy pickings. Why would there be easy pickings for Israel? Israel is one of the most vicious people to attack. My goodness can they fight. And yet they just laid down their arms. Why would they lay down their arms? It's because there was a peace treaty and the peace treaty was started by the It was, was confirmed and brought together by, by the Antichrist. But you see, People are going to be confused. They're going to be confused by the Antichrist and they're going to think he's God. And you could say, well, why would they think he's God? Why would they? Why would they look at him and say that he's God? Look over in Revelation in chapter 19. Chapter 19 of Revelation. In, uh, starting in verse 11. 1911. 11 to 13. And it says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, not one, many. He had a name written that no one knew except himself, and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. White horse, many crowns, a conqueror that comes on a white horse. Listen, this is a description of Christ's return at the end of the tribulation period. You see, it's always been, and they're both on a white horse, the Antichrist and Jesus Christ, okay? And and it's always been Satan's desire to, to imitate God. And to make people think that he is God. And, and he, he does it very, very well. That's why, first of all, you see the white horse. You see the Antichrist on the white horse. And just for the record, guys, there is no horse. Don't be looking for the horse, because there is no white horse. It's the image to demonstrate the power and the conquering strength is what it's supposed to be. That's what the Bible is telling us through this image. It's the horse is, is power and a, and a conquering strength. Listen, just let me take you back for just a second. Do you remember when Jesus rode into, into Jerusalem? As he was going into Jerusalem for the last time and he was going to, be, going to be crucified, what did he go into town on? What did he ride into? On a donkey. And why did the people, why were they upset with Christ? Because they were being, they were being, they were under Roman control. And you know what they wanted? They wanted their Messiah to come in on a horse. They wanted him to have that power and that strength that that they needed to break away from the Roman Empire. That's what they wanted. And what did Jesus come in on? On a donkey. It, it wasn't the conquering strength. That shows you that Jesus Christ was here as a servant. What he rode in on is important because he was coming as a servant. Guys, when he comes back, that's the idea. He's on a horse. He's coming back in power and strength and, and, and a conqueror and a king, king of kings and lord of lords. That's how he's coming back. You see? But, but there's a deception here the antichrist comes in and and he's on and as it says on that white horse and he'll fool people people will say well, this is Jesus Christ he's come back this is God he's come back let me ask you something would you fall for that and let's leave horses out of this but if someone showed up today and said, "I'm going to work out this agreement with Israel, and it's not we've had hey, listen, our last three, our last three presidents, anyway, have, have nah, 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 three or four presidents have, have been after uh, Israel to write an agreement with Israel. Believe me, they've done everything they could. Give up the land, Israel. Come on, we'll work out a peace agreement here. And Israel keeps going, no, uh uh-uh. Get away from me. So if somebody steps up to the plate here and says, I'm going to work out an agreement with Israel, and Israel falls down before him and says, you got it, bud. I got it. We've got a peace treaty here. Would you fall for that? Would you call that that person... Wow. Person... There's something going on here. This is a very, very special person. You see, guys, when the tribulation period happens, when it starts, you're, you can look at your calendar, and there's nothing on your calendar that says, today's the day the tribulation period starts. There's nothing here that does that. And, and you're not going to open up the paper, and it's not going to say in big headlines, or even on the back page, it's not going to say the tribulation starts today. It's not. Something has to kick that off. Something has to happen. And you see, guys, and I know that there's some that, that agree and some that don't disagree. And, no, they agree, and if you don't disagree, that means you agree. So there's those that agree and those who disagree on I'm, I'm how the tribulation period starts. But this is the reason, one of the reasons why I believe in, in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Because, folks, if I'm telling you this, and if there are evangelists and, and pastors out there who go, wait a minute, who is this guy out there that, that is writing an agreement with Israel? Wouldn't they raise, wouldn't they raise awareness? Wouldn't they raise awareness that, that something bad was going on? That this person who was in Israel's court and that he was writing an agreement with them or confirming an agreement with them, that Israel would lay down their arms. Wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think for a moment that something stunk in Israel? You see, there has to be a reason that Christians don't stand up, although they're not good at it, but there's a reason that that Christians wouldn't stand up and be fooled in this. It's because they're not there. Because they're not there. Look, flip over in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians 2. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. You know, when we take communion, it is just, it is a time of of rejoicing. And that's, you know, we really got to look at it that way. 2, starting in verse 6. And now you know what is restraining. This is Second Thessalonians two six. And now you know what is restraining, that he who that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Will the, will the Antichrist be, will he be destroyed? Absolutely. Christ will come and he will do that. But something has to turn this joker along, uh, loose on this earth. And, and, and as it talks about a restrainer, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then when the church is raptured out of, out of or off of the earth with the rapture of the church, it allows the evil to take place in the church. And it helps for those who are not saved, who don't know what they're looking for, to fall for someone who is going to write this agreement with, with Israel. Um, that's why I believe in, in a, a pre-tribulation uh, rapture of the church. Let me show you one more. Let me show you another reason. Flip over to Revelation again. Revelation chapter 3. Revel, whoops, Revelation chapter 3 in verse 10. And it says, because you have kept... This is Jesus talking to, to the church, the church of Philadelphia. There's, this is Christ in, to the church in Philadelphia. And he says, because you have kept my command to persevere... I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Jesus saying to the church, look, for those if you persevere, you follow my command to persevere, then you will not go through the time of trial for the, that is going to cover the earth, to cover the earth. The tribulation time, which covers, which involves the entire earth. No place is safe from this tribulation time. And, God's, and Jesus said, you won't have to go through this. You're not going to have to go through it. My Lord will keep me from the trial. My Lord will keep us from the trial. Listen, your test, your test is now. Your test is in your life and it's right now for all that is happening, for all that is happening around you. Guys, your time for salvation is today. It is this hour. It is this time before any of this takes place. Guys, you, you, don't, you don't wait. You don't want to wait. As we come for communion today, Folks, if there's anything in your heart that's keeping you back, if there's anything in your heart that is keeping you from, from this relationship with Jesus Christ that he's talking about today, the saving relationship of Jesus Christ, folks, get rid of it today. Get rid of it at the rail. Don't Don't wait. Don't wait. Let's go to communion. on the night that Jesus was betrayed in that upper room with his disciples. After finishing the Passover meal, Jesus took this bread and he gave thanks to the Father and he broke the bread and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Eat this. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. After the bread, he took the cup and again, giving thanks to the Father, he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant that I shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this. And when you do, you do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all that you are as our God. You are the King. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But, but yet on that day, so many years ago, you went to the cross, and on that cross, you shed your blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we're here today to celebrate that, that you are our sacrificial lamb in all that you did for us, Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins. Father, take these common elements. Let them be the body and the blood of Christ for all who partake. And in this, Father, we will thank you and we will praise you in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.